0: We're in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7 is what we're going to look at, and the title is The Path to Peace. The Path to Peace. And the points which we're going to go through and go over again are four points. Number one, be joyful. Number two, be gentle. Number three, be prayerful. And number four, the result is have peace. And so statistically speaking, Iceland is the most peaceful country in the world. Iceland is. Um, have you ever been to Iceland? Anyone? Okay, wow, nice. Was it peaceful when you, pretty, <laughs> you were at peace? I don't know. But the other peaceful countries are New Zealand, Austria, Portugal, and Denmark. The least peaceful countries in the world are Afghanistan, South Sudan, Yemen, and Iraq. Europe is the most peaceful region in the world. The Global Peace Index reported that overall peace in locations has actually increased 0.09%. But, but how many of us know that it just takes one event to change all that in our life? You know, one, one little thing. The world is kind of freaking out right now, right, because of the coronavirus and all that. And, uh, and my, goal, my goal is not to scare anyone or make you paranoid. I am just saying, as we hear and see these reports about what's going on, peace is kind of being kicked out the window. Uh, people are fearing and on edge. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure these statistics of peace will change in 2020. But, but as for you and me, you know, as for those who love the Lord and have given our lives to Him, here's the facts. We can have peace no matter what location we are in and no matter what is going on in the world. We can have peace, despite whatever circumstances surround us. Remember Y2K? How many people remember Y2K? That was a big deal, right? People were freaking out. Everyone was, thinking it was all going to be over. That it's going to go to zero. The computers are going to blow up. Just all these different theories. and hype. It, There was total, there'd be total chaos, right? And we were all prepared, ready to go. The, the clock struck midnight, right? And nothing changed. <laughs> it was just like, oh, we're fine. <laughs> we're all still alive. Um, But all that buildup, there was fear for no reason, you know? And what we're going to see in Scripture this morning is the progression towards peace. You know, many questions will be answered in these four verses that Paul gives. That's why I'm only going over four verses. Questions like, why should we rejoice? How often should we rejoice? How do I get rid of anxiety? How do I have peace? How does prayer help? Why does prayer help? Paul's going to answer all of these questions in four verses. So if you want to know the reason why the Bible was written, let me just, this, this verse has been um, on my heart for a few weeks. Romans 15.4, one of the reasons why the Bible was written for us. This verse, it's just been ruminating on my heart. Like it says, for whatever things were written before, were written for our learning that we, we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So all of this, the whole Bible, is written for our learning that we would truly grow and have comfort from the Scriptures and have hope, which hope in the Bible is sure. It's not like, oh, I hope I get that raise, but I didn't. It's hope that is actually going to happen or that has happened. So in the section of Scripture, Paul, the author of this letter, he moves from a dispute, if you remember, and a conflict between two ladies to exhorting these believers on the actions to take to have complete peace. And this is the contrast that Paul is writing about in chapter 4. And so he was just saying you know, that these two ladies who were in a dispute, they needed to have the same mind, remember? Have the same mind. They needed unity, because without unity, there is a lack of peace that impedes the work that God wants to get done. So what we're about to read and study is in contrast to what Paul was just writing about. And the fact is that most people want peace, like we want peace. To be conflict free for a whole day is nice, right? You're just like, wow, that whole day, there was no crazy stuff that happened. Praise the Lord. But life sometimes feels like it just kind of feels like one huge lesson that God is teaching us as we learn to navigate through trials, to problems, to hardships, to storms. You know what I mean? It's like, can I just have a clear day? I just want a clear day. But as we know our circumstances can be completely out of control externally. But internally, we can have complete peace and total rest because we know the Lord. And anxiety dissipates when constant prayer is involved. So Paul really will tell these Christians in Philippi and us today that the avenue to take to extract anxiety is going to answer that and the path we are to walk on in order to have peace. So let's pray again and we'll get into the verses. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you that these things were written for our learning, that we may have hope, Lord, that you would give us comfort from your word. We just thank you, Lord, that discouragement is not from you, but encouragement is from you. You don't want to break us down. You want to build us up. And so we thank you for that. You do that through the avenue of your word, God. So we thank you for this morning. Just speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we'll read verse 4 to 7 all the way through, and then go back and look at it. Verse 4, chapter 4, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So this is an incredibly dense portion of Scripture that many believers have used to get them through some seriously difficult times. I know I have. When I was going to college, I hated math. It was the worst thing. It was like I was like, Lord, is this what hell's gonna be like? It was horrible. Math was horrible, and every time I had a test, I I went to the restroom and I read this verse, and I was just like, Lord, help me! It was, it was, and it helped me. You know, the word helped me. It comforted me. But this whole section, it's really an exhortation or call to action that will lead to peace and rest. So, verse four talks about being joyful. I love this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Be joyful. So as we've been going through this letter Paul wrote to the Philippians, like we've seen the theme of joy throughout this whole letter. And one old-time preacher, he said about this chapter, here's what he said. He said, As a cure for disagreements, the apostle says, Rejoice in the Lord always. He said, People who are very happy in the Lord are not apt to take offense or give offense. Their minds are so occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among us. He said, joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. That's so good. When we rejoice and find joy in the Lord, little troubles will fall to the ground, and we can be filled with gratitude at who God is and what he's doing and how he's working. Like when we rejoice, we are reaffirming that our focus is in fact on the Father And not on our circumstances. Because in our eyes, you know, if our eyes are constantly looking toward all that is wrong in the world, then our outlook will be completely bleak and dreary. We'll feel defeated. And I'm not suggesting ignoring what's going on in the world either. I'm just saying if all that we look at is what's going on in the world, we will not be rejoicing It's sad, it's depressing. You ever watch the news and just end it and go, I'm just joyful now, like all that good news. No, I don't think that ever has happened. But when we look at the Lord constantly, you know, the result will be joy. Psalm 37.4 says, delight yourself in the world and what's going on. No, delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 94.19 says, his comforts delight our souls. And so it is a blessing. It's exciting to just know the Lord, and just to walk with Him, you know, you will never be thinking of the Lord and be downcast. Like I don't believe that's possible to think on things of the Lord and be depressed or sad. I, that's that's not a thing, right? Now, if we're looking to ourselves or looking to others to try to find perpetual joy, we're gonna not, we're not gonna find it, and we're gonna be let down. We're gonna be disappointed if we're looking at our situation from day to day and basing our rejoicing on the things that we face. Guess what? The spectrum of human emotions like will bombard us and we'll be unstable, we'll be unsettled. But when we look to the Lord Jesus, the re- result will be rejoicing. So to stop the quarrel and to not let the small stuff get you down, rejoice in the Lord. Answer the world's conflicts with a heightened countenance by looking to God. Answer the world's troubles with praise. Oh, I got a trouble. I got, I'm in another trial. Praise you, Lord. You know, we don't ask for trials, but when we go through them, we cling to Him like never before, like nothing else. Arguments will not lead to anxiety when we are rejoicing in the Lord, because we will not have time or the heart to argue or fight. I'm sorry, I don't have time for this debate right now. I just want to praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, did Jesus say they will know that you are my disciples if you fight with each other? No. Did Jesus say they will know you are my disciples if you win that debate? Good job. I knew you were, you had it in you. No. You won the debate? Good job. You get extra heavenly rewards. No. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another, right? Like when we're faced or when we're focused on the Lord, bad attitudes aren't possible. You know? And that's how to tell if a fellow believer is focused on self or focused on the Savior. This doesn't mean when we see a believer that's not happy and you know, and, and fighting, we yell, stop being mad. Stop fighting. Be happy. You know, like we don't force. No, but, but when we see a fellow believer downcast or in turmoil, we can help them by getting their mind off of self and onto the Lord. When I'm busy doing errands for work, my mind is not thinking about the problems of the day. I just i am busy doing the work. Instead, I'm thinking of what is to be done, and it kind of causes a calmness, because I'm like, "Hey, okay, I got my list, I'm going to go, I'm going to do, I'm going to get things done. This is what I'm doing. I'm not worried about anything. If we see someone stressing out and miserable, it's our privilege to get their minds busy thinking on how good God is, and of what He has done in their lives. We need to all be reminded. Sometimes we could get in the middle of this mess and just stress, and, and just be like, oh man, it takes someone else, to be like my wife, to be like, hey, you know, focus on the Lord. Oh yeah. my mind is too much on like what's going on on the circumstances i need to look to my savior and sometimes we have to we just have to remind ourselves to get our eyes off of the state even of this fallen world and onto the lord who will restore and make all things new to curb conflict rejoice in your redeemer so rejoice in the lord and it may sound funny but sometimes we actually have to remind ourselves to rejoice Mike, rejoice. <laughs> like, you're in a bad mood. You have a bad attitude. You know, you're driving, and the person's going super slow in one lane forever, for miles. Just, Mike, rejoice. Put on worship music louder. You know, like, because we get so set on our situation sometimes that it's a drag to get through the day. So we can defeat conflict, you know, and arguments and foolish disputes, like Titus talks about, by just simply rejoicing in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord. So be uh, joyful. Number two, Be gentle. Again, in verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So the biblical definition of gentleness is patience. It's uh, mildness, moderation, and unwillingness to contend. In other words, gentleness means not going to the extremes, not being drastic, not being rash or quick to judge or condemn. Gentleness doesn't mean weakness. It means to be patient and self-controlled. And we know self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Remember, Paul had just written about those two ladies who were contentious. They were fighting, remember? And now he's saying to squash fighting by rejoicing in the Lord. And now Paul's writing what actions to take instead of going to the extreme and being a disputer. Let your gentleness be known to all men, which means to all people. You know, in the Bible, oftentimes when it says men, it's talking about humankind, humankind like everyone. So being uncontrolled and contentious is never a good witness for the Lord. You know, again, gentleness doesn't mean weakness. It means being a person who values moderation and is self-controlled. Gentleness means a person is free to let go of their anxieties and let go of everything that causes them stress because they know that the Lord will fight their battles. Like it says in Nehemiah 4, the Lord will fight our battles. A gentle person is one who rejoices first and therefore believes 100% that the Lord is in complete control. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. So we are to show gentleness to everyone, not just certain people or certain groups. Why? Because it says the Lord is at hand. Knowing that the Lord is going to return and right all the wrongs, we can rejoice constantly and be self controlled consistently. May we have a sense of urgency when it comes to being witnesses for the Lord. And relaying the the message that could save souls. So be joyful. Paul says, be gentle. Number three, he says, be prayerful. In verse six, again, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be prayerful. So before Paul talks about being prayerful, he talks about anxiety. He writes, be anxious for a few things, because you have the right to be anxious about them. No, he, <laughs> he says be anxious for nothing. Now, Paul actually had a lot to be anxious about. Just thinking about, we, a lot of these times we apply it straight to our lives, application. But Paul had a lot to be anxious about. He's the one writing this. He's writing this from house arrest, you know, below ground, chained at guard 24 hours a day. He had, he was, he was, his death was imminent. He'd be killed for his faith. He had a lot to be anxious about. And some people will be like, oh, he's justified in being anxious about that thing. But he says, be anxious for nothing. He exhorts the Philippian Christians, don't be anxious, be anxious for nothing. This phrase is not an option or a suggestion. It's a command. Being anxious stems from trying to run and control everything because things seem out of control. And we are trying to control everything and it's not working. When it doesn't work, we kind of freak out. When you try and control everything, that's when chaos erupts in your heart. That's why we're called to let God have control. That's why we're called to give God control. It's all yours. You're in control. Don't kick him off the throne to try to usurp his authority. He's the father of the house, the head of the household, and we are his children. So we must trust his leading. He knows what he's doing. Even though it looks kind of weird, <laughs> even though it looks like, are you sure, Lord? Yes, he's sure. <laughs> like he's God, right? Still, we just let him take control. We must trust his leading in all things. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So we know what not to do. Don't be anxious. And when now we know what to do, which is pray or prayer and supplication. So Paul is saying that everything should fall under the banner of the action that we're to take in prayer. Pray about everything. Prayer and supplication. They're actually distinct. Prayer means the general action of seeking and communicating with God about everything. Supplication means talking to God about specific things or directly asking God to do something or help in some specific way. All the prayers that you don't pray will not be answered. Pretty obvious, right? It seems pretty obvious. All the prayers that you don't pray may not be answered because you're not praying them, right? We have not because we, what? Yes, ask not. We can't expect God to answer prayers if we never seek him for the answers, and oftentimes what we do in our American microwave mentality, pray, for, pray once for it. Lord, oh, okay, didn't answer it, forget it. We kind of just walk away, right? And I, that's why I love what Paul says, too. He says, uh, pray without ceasing, you know? Just be in consistent prayer for people, for your situation, for the future, for the present, for, your, you know what I mean, for who to share with just inconsistent, constant prayer, God does, he does know what we think, right? But he also wants us to have open communication with him. And it's important to know we can bring anything to God in prayer. Even, I'm sure none of you do, but even complaining, <laughs> you know, even whining. Like you can bring that to God in prayer and be like, okay, I'm not going to whine to God. Okay, God, I love you. But you can come to God honestly because you know through the 77 Psalms that David wrote, He was a complainer. He was a whiner. whiner. He had some vengeful thoughts, man. He wanted his enemies to just die and be tortured. So you can come to God in prayer. But even during that time, he would end the Psalms, end that prayer, end that song with praising the Lord. Because he realized, this is all my flesh. Let me put it out there. But he ended with praising the Lord. You can come to God honestly. And it's important to know that you will never bother God by your many prayers. You know, you may bother people by speaking a lot, but I'm just saying, you will never, God is not like that. He's not like, again, for the same thing, you just prayed about that an hour ago. Come on, like God is so patient with us. He wants us to seek him. God knows what we need, but he, he, he will often wait for us to seek him and wait for our participation in prayer. You know, prayer is not a monologue. You know, I don't know if you've ever done any acting. I, I took an acting class in college and um, after, I had this monologue, and I chose this uh, Latino character. I, I didn't have an accent. I, I didn't even know what I was. And so I, like, I studied it and ready to go. And it was the day of presentation. I was super nervous. I had no idea what I was doing. But I went up there, and I just, like, I just blew it big time. I messed up so badly. I was so embarrassed that I quit the class. And there goes my acting career. <laughs> you know, but, praise the Lord. But I was, it was horrible. But prayer is not... A monologue. Okay, God, here's my list. Dun, 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 10, 11, 12, 13. Amen. It's a dialogue, right? It's we talk to him. We're honest with him. We lay it all before him. And we will go, Lord, okay, and I'm going to be still, know that you're a God, and I'm going to listen for your voice and listen for your answers. And it might not be right then. It might be that next day or that next week or even the next month. But it's not only talking, right? Prayer is listening because we want to know what God wants us to do. Participation in prayer. How is our prayer life? You know, if it's constant, then you'll probably be a person who rejoices a lot and anxiety will be a rarity cuz you're seeking God often. Paul goes on to say and he tags it with with thanksgiving. Do this with thanksgiving. So, we seek God, the result will be thanksgiving because when we pray, it will give us a heart of gratitude and a heightened countenance. And also, the great thing about being thankful is that it it abolishes whining and complaining because your mind is on your blessings and not on your burdens. Your mind is on your blessings and not on your burdens. Having thankful hearts, it it guards against bickering, it guards against complaining, it guards against bad attitudes. So Paul says, be joyful, be gentle, be prayerful. And now the result of all these actions will be, you will have peace you will have peace. Verse seven, read it one more time. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Have peace. This is the result of being gentle and prayerful. The result is peace. And when we have peace, anxiety is nowhere to be found. We have the antidote or the avenue of peace right here. And, and the Bible talks about three aspects of peace from God. I'm just going to list them for you. Number one, first there's there's the peace from God. The peace from God. The Lord is our source of peace, and the more often we remember that, the more we'll look to the Lord for peace. And you know, Paul started many of his letters writing grace and peace. So peace from God. Second, we have peace with God. And this type of peace results from the relationship and connection we have through Christ. So peace from God, with God, and thirdly, we have the peace of God. And this is the type of peace uh, that Philippians 4-7 is speaking of. Peace of God. This is peace that's far beyond our rational understanding even. Like, we don't even understand this kind of peace. It's a peace that is from above and is supernatural. It's a peace that is powerful and beyond our way of thinking even. This is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Like, like, this doesn't mean we don't understand the peace of God. It means it's not enough to explain the peace of God. It has to be experienced. It's not just a thought. It's not just words written in a book. It's, it's been experienced. And that's the thing. Like you, if you're a believer, you've had the peace of God where you're like, "Man, it's just chaos. Look at, look at all this chaos around me. Wow, but I just have peace. I have the peace of God, though. It's not enough to just talk about it or explain it. You can explain it all day long, but until you experience it, the words mean nothing. Peace of God is beyond our understanding. It's beyond our thinking. It's so powerful. In other words, it has to be experienced. Paul says it will guard your hearts and minds even. So the peace of God is a peace that guards our hearts and minds. The word guard, it's a military term bringing to mind someone standing guard over a location. You know, when I went to Nicaragua last year, my friend has a church there, Cabo Chapel uh, Managua. He made fun of me the whole time because I said Managua, because I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> so I did this Facebook thing, and he was just like, he made fun of me. It was awesome. But, um, but there were these huge concrete walls, uh, like this one entrance around this Christian retreat center. It was amazing. Once you go in the big walls, um, it's just lush, and there's just like a retreat, and um, People get poured into and have conferences there. But there was huge concrete walls, like as high as you can see, and, and one entrance with a gate, and there was a man standing there with a machine gun. And it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> Where are we? You know, it's like, this is normal. This is just how it is, you know? But they needed to guard the place to make sure those inside were safe. And so the peace of God guards our minds and our hearts because when we have His peace, peace from above in our hearts, and circulating in our minds, then the fear, the doubt, the anxiety, the stress, the trouble—you know—that the world, the flesh, and the enemy throws at you—it will hit that wall of protection, and all those things will fall to the ground. You don't have to worry about them. You don't—you know—I didn't when we were there. I didn't go like, "Hey, hey, hey, talk to the guard." You know, and I'm like, give me that machine gun. I got this. I'm going to guard it. I'm, I got it. I didn't do that, right? You'd probably shoot me. But he was guarding it. I didn't have to worry when I was in that compound. And it's like. You don't have to worry because the peace of God guards your heart and your mind. You don't have to force peace. It comes from seeking the Lord, praying to the Lord, looking to the Lord. It's amazing. How good is God? God's peace actually guards us. An absence of God's peace will lead to a tumultuous heart and a mind that's open to attacks of, of discouragement. And so we have to remember God's peace actually protects. So let's recap. There's a lot here, but... Uh, There's a lot of practical lessons to learn from just these few verses, but it's like, look to God, and you'll have a joyful heart. When you have a joyful heart, you'll have a gentle, self-controlled countenance. Seeking God through prayer will halt anxiety, and having peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Also be thankful, because it curbs complaining. I mean, that's it's amazing. It's so good. So be joyful, be gentle, be prayerful, and the result will be you'll have the peace of God. The peace of God. I love these reminders from God's Word, don't you? I, I needed them. Like every time I study to teach, they speak to me. It's not like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get these and I'm going to get them. You know, it's like, no, it gets me first. And then I'm like, Lord, yes, this is, I need to be joyful. I need to be gentle. I need to be prayerful. You know, I, I need to have peace because there can be so much turmoil in the world. It can be so bleak. And if you focus on the circumstances, you focus on the storm like Peter was, you will sink. He focused on the storm, and he started to sink. But when he focused on Jesus, he stayed afloat. We will stay afloat when you focus on our Savior. Yeah, there's always going to be a storm. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a hardship. There's always going to be a trial. But also, God's always going to be there with us. And he's always gonna get us through. He's on the boat with us, sleeping, with his head on the pillow, remember? He wasn't even worried about it. What woke him up was the disciples' anxiety. They 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 could have been just been like, Okay, there's a crazy huge storm that we've never seen, but Jesus is on the boat and he's not worried, so I don't have to worry. You don't have to worry.